Hey, this is Ross Payton with Roleplaying Bubble Radio. This is RPBR episode 106. History is written by the GM. And with me, as always, is Mr. Tom Church. All right, that's it's good. A little little thick today, but I think uh, you, had, you had some chops on you that time. Oh, yeah. No, I, I was feeling it, I think. So. Yeah, you you were feeling it. Yeah. Uh, you got like a little confidence aura about you now. Uh, okay, well. You ate your Wheaties today. <laughs> Actually, I didn't, but I did have some fresh fruit. I had bananas. So, oh, well, yeah, duff. Yeah. There you go. Cantaloupe, you know. Was, I the tiger. Yeah, no, it was healthy. It was weird. I wasn't. Um, anyway, so this episode is going to be about just using historical events in games. Uh, hey, people and places and things that have happened. I mean, in the past. History. I mean, in the past, we've done like running games in the past, like during like a world war or something. This right. is like specific events. Right. So instead of like Inglorious Bastards, it's more like. Uh, well, or Saving Private Ryan, or, well, most World War II Well, movies. the first part of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, the D-Day, yeah. So anyway, um, but before we get into that, of course we have news. Uh, and the big news is Boiling Point, the RBPR uh, Kickstarter for an adventure for base raiders, uh, is still ongoing, and we'd really like your support for that. Uh, we're about halfway as this rec- as of this recording. we got three weeks left. Uh, but it we've I've added a new tier for it. So even if you've never played Base Raiders, for a mere twenty five dollars, you can get the main game, Boiling Point, uh, and every PDF supplement hey. we have for the uh, game. It's totally worth your time. Love Base Raiders. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I could have access to f- books for free, yeah. but I I paid money into it because <laughs> if I can do it, people. You can do it. Thank you for your patronage of this project. You're right. Uh, That's all right, Ross. We, uh, yeah, we have the actual play of the first part of the session already on the AP site. If you back the project, you can get access to the second part. And uh, we'll have the second part up on Dude, the main. Shark the Diplomacy. Part. Shark Diplomacy. Yeah. Shark Diplomacy. Uh, it's funny. The author of this, uh, Peter Nielsen, actually wrote up the Diplomacy section after the first AP. I sent it to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I should add that. Because uh, he just kind of assumed that players would want to stop the hey, horrible alien But obviously shark they didn't know us. Yeah. In the new world, when you threw monsters at us, we negotiated. Yeah, yeah in hindsight, I should have put that uh, in the editorial notes from the get-go. Yeah, you should have, especially with us. Yeah. Like, like, the Minotaur, like, hey, Minotaur, like, do you really want to attack us? I mean, <laughs> maybe we could come to a mutually beneficial arrangement. Yeah, exactly. We're like, um, yeah, I mean, I'd totally be open to negotiating <laughs> terms here. Uh, so yeah, so and if you already backed the Base Raiders uh, Kickstarter, uh, there are four, over 400 of you out there. Uh, this is a great time to help support the project. You can back the base PDF at $8 uh, or get the print version for $11, uh, plus shipping and handling. Uh, but nah. we, yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, it re- this will help RPPR itself. This will help us keep the, uh, the, pro- the podcast going. So... Uh, I would and really providing you with the light entertainment you so request from us. <laughs> so if you're a fan, uh, please help us out. Uh, Are you not entertained? <laughs> uh, thanks. Uh, and if you have any questions about Thank the project, you. please I'm, post. I'm here all night. Yeah. Uh, if you have any questions about the project, feel free to post them on the Kickstarter or on their message board or Facebook group or, or the whatever, forums. Whatever. Yeah, or the forums. Uh, multiple venues or tweet at me. I you know. have choices. You have. It is. You have so many choices. Uh, in other news, we have uh, we're going to be Caleb and I are going to be at a local con, uh, and by local I mean Springfield, Missouri, Springfield Game, uh, which is from October 10th to the 12th. Uh, we hit, we'll have a booth there for RPPR and our products, base raiders, uh, no security, uh, zombies of the world, and 
I will be, we'll probably be, Aaron will be there as well, mm-hmm. and probably David, and uh, we will be running games and other things at this point. We don't have any official I will sadly things. be out of town. You, it, it will be very sad. Everyone will be very sad. So so much sadness. But if you're in the region uh, and would like to make a trip, uh, we would be happy to, uh, you know, say yeah. hi to you. I'll be there in spirit. Yeah, okay. As a haunting presence. That <laughs> wow. All right. It will cause walls to bleed occasionally. Don't you have to be dead to uh, haunt things? I got a guy. You got a guy. All yeah. right. You heard it here first. So, uh, and we'll, we'll do some recording and stuff like that and uh, send it up uh, on the podcast, of course. So... Yeah, please uh, help us out and show up, and we'll we'll be we'll, we'll you will be awesome. Dan- yeah, we'll sing and dance. I don't know. We'll, we'll entertain you somehow. Well, like well, <laughs> like Ross, will you get on camera and sing and dance? No, I no, didn't think so. No, it's like no, never. It was yeah. metaphorical. I I I will GM for you. Mm. What if I got on camera and sung and danced? Yeah, no, go for it. I'll I'll, I'll record that. We'll yeah, talk. I know you would. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. So uh, anyway, let's uh, get on to the main topic. Uh, what the listeners are hungry for, I guess. Uh, history is written by the GM. Historical events and games. Uh, you suggested this topic. I did. So. I uh, to be honest, was I thought about this a while ago, but it was really about when that that Titanic uh, scenario was that we reviewed in a previous episode. The and it, yeah, it really got me that uh, when you know, it's like when you're doing a game in like an actual you know a setting that has a Wikipedia page and yeah. Is actually pretty famous. You got there's well documented. Yeah, you've got to take some care in it. Yeah, because especially if you know Titanic. Like, I'm a Titanic fanatic, so I would have been like Do you have I, a lifetime membership at the museum down in Branson. It, no, I, I good museums. Thank you. <laughs> oh, there's ratings of different museums. Yeah, like, I'd love to go to the one in Belfast. But, ah, but yeah, it's. I thought about it's. A lot of people really know that story. Yes. And you, if you're going to run a scenario in it, you better know that the the history of it. Well, you have to know at least as much as the players. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you're uh, obviously we we're a little different because we record and uh, everyone on the internet can listen to it, and then they nitpick our. Now, as a, as, yeah, as a, that's just for natural. you out there, the average listener, you don't have to worry about that. You just have to know as much as the most well-informed person about that event. Because all of, all the people listening to us are well-informed. They are very well-informed. Unusually well-informed. It's it's weird, uh, but that it's a good weird. Yeah, but like the case of the Titanic, you got to be careful. Yeah, so I mean, like you see the captain, like yeah, but like you, besides his extensive experience in ships in danger, he doesn't seem to be responding here. Uh, actually, he never had a major incident in his career until that. <laughs> like, uh, dude, you don't know that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, so the idea of using a historical event, it, you have a lot of advantages when you're doing this. One, you, uh, as you mentioned, you have this wealth of documentation. And yeah. also, there's kind of like, it's in the zeitgeist, it's in the, in, in the collective mm-hmm. unconscious of, of games. Yeah, like if you say, if you say you're going to run a game set in. Hiroshima, yeah. 1945. You really don't need to tell anyone, anyone, anything else. Like, okay, I think I know exactly what we're getting in here for. Yeah, there's very, yeah, or yeah, something that's well known. You just have to mention that I'm running a game set in this. Or and, the Charge of the Light Brigade, or something like mm-hmm. that. Can you survive the Charge of the Light Brigade? <laughs> like, <laughs> unfortunately, we're going to use Phoenix Command rules for that. Oh. Why, like, Jesus? <laughs> so this is going to be like a six-parter God. just for this one charge. Wow. All right. Interest killed. Uh, <laughs> 
as dead as a light brigade itself. So um, topical. So you have the you have the, those two advantages right there: the documentation and then the sort of uh, the cachet of like, oh, we're going to do this event. We're going to look at this event. We're going to look at it at a different angle. Uh, but there are some downsides, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, one being, you know, the difficulties in how do you cram an adventure in that. In especially if you're if you're well, I guess the first thing is, are you going to have? It's obviously can't be part of a campaign. No, uh, most unless you're doing okay, unless you're doing unless, like, this uh, campaign is specifically set up to allow that, like a sliders or or uh, is like or it's a, or if thing. you find a bunch of historical events within like a certain time frame. Yeah, so you could have like okay, and this next part of this campaign, we're going to jump ahead three years. Right, and now this is going to happen. Right, like the American Revolution or the French Revolution mm-hmm. or. Because uh, like, like year spanning events, you right. can do that with. But and so that's that's one difficulty. Uh, how do you, how do you, if you want to do, and the the second difficulty being like how who are the players? Do you make them play the actual people? In which case they're they're obviously very pre generated, very specific. Yeah. Or are there original or, characters that? Yeah. Do you how do you fit original characters in there? And once again, that like. That could have its own difficulties. Like if you're it in, depends on the event. Obviously. Well, if it's an event with like lots of people involved, yeah. you can easily make it. But if you're doing like a campaign or a, ooh, a scenario set in like the Donner Party, yeah, there's only you have a limited amount of people you could choose from in that. Right. Doable, but yeah. Well, that brings us to the third question: is like uh, historical authenticity, how and uh, accuracy. How important is that to your game? And different groups will have different thresholds in terms of like our PPR. We're kind of more the on the fuck it kind of fuck. Side. Let's fuck shit up. Well, it's like fuck, oh, let's add. Yeah, no, sure, we'll add an extra six uh, murder hobos to the Donner party. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> why not? Average player <laughs> characters. Uh, on the other hand, you have groups that are very much. If we're going to do historical, they're going to be like, let's get down to the type of ammunition that would be in the sub how many rounds of pistol ammunition would be in that sub you know glancy <laughs> thank you <laughs> so how you know what it what you know you have to think about that and you have to match that kind of authenticity level of authenticity or uh familiarity and, the, and that brings up the final challenge i think which is uh well there's actually two more uh one would be the supernatural element mm-hmm. is there going to be a supernatural are you adding something to it uh something that is not realistic and yeah, actually, a great campaign uh, scenario I did was set during the eruption of Krakatoa. Yeah, because it that the eruption went on for years. Yeah, before the final big explosion. So, right. you know, it's basically a, we kept the scenario, we kept the eruption like it happened in real life. Yeah, only we were going to the, like playing like people going to the island to investigate it, but the eruption is a little less natural. Yeah, than one that's a figured. common type mm-hmm. of way of using historical events in games, especially in horror, Call of Cthulhu and that kind of ilk, um, is the what if, what if historical event X was caused by, you know, supernatural mm-hmm. phenomena Y. Yeah. You know? And there's all, actually, or there's another one, I, I haven't played it, but I'd like to, it's set yeah. on the Mary Celeste. Yeah. Which is, you know, was later found completely abandoned, but with no signs of a struggle. Right. And there's all kinds of shit you can make up for there's that. There's a lot of theories about it. Uh, Jack the Ripper is another well uh, something ripe for that kind of thing. You know, what if Jack the Ripper was a vampire or a caveman? The Loch Ness. Even though monster. I think we've actually determined who he was. Uh, they, they actually found they te- did DNA testing and were actually. I've actually heard reports saying that that's uh, one the the provenance of that blouse is in question. Mm. So if that is the chain of custody was not 
I'm broken. It was kept in someone's attic or something like that. So it's like, mm, that is his DNA, but whether or not that was actually his victim is left up to... Yeah, exactly. Um, So you have that where are you going to have that supernatural element or not? Um, And then finally, are you going to have... Are you going to say history is fixed? You know, whatever happens Or malleable. Yeah, or are you going to do the Inglorious Bastards route, where you set up historically, but you diverge slightly. <laughs> yeah, just um, a bit differently. You know, like what? You know, just a little bit. Just a, like maybe the entire upper hierarchy of the Nazis were wiped out in that yeah. theater. Yeah, in 1943 or something like 44. that. 44. 44. Yeah. So yeah, a year and a half early. Uh, a year uh, early. So yeah, you have that in mind um, and, which can be awesome or shitty depending on how you look at it exactly so for you Tom I mean answering these challenges what is your philosophy of- uh, once again when it comes to that first I'm going to let the actually I don't let you don't have to let the players know right off if it's history is going to be malleable or if it's not okay that's a good point you don't have to I mean especially when you're just starting but when you're starting to get into events yeah uh, you can, especially if it's a super, it's, if it's supernatural, you can actually you can kind of move move events to keep history intact, often in spite of everything your players are trying to do. Sure, you know, like if it use, you know, if that game's based on the Titanic and your players somehow, I, well, this is just this is shitty, you know, metagaming, but right. they go, they, you know, they go on the bridge on the evening of you know April you know, of April fourteenth. Yeah, and say like, and then say, hey, um, there's gonna be an ice like a real, there's gonna be like a blackbird coming up here. You see, you might want just to turn, take a slight turn to the right here. Yeah, You're like, well, all right. So in that case, you go. Well, it turns out they on their their on their normal course they would have missed it entirely, but now you steered it into its path. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you could do that uh, kind of deterministic. And actually, and if you're doing stuff like that, they the, yeah, they're yeah. probably going to start picking up on the fact. Okay, history's not going to change, or maybe history can change. Yeah, so that, there's. I think that's a good point. You shouldn't like tell them from the outset whether or not history can be changed, but sooner or later they will figure it out. Like, a good example is my. my um, Divine Fire Part Two, yeah, which I had Stalin in there, personally, but uh, you know, but there was you know the players. There's no way they could have, ex- you know, assassinated him or anything. He showed up too quickly. Right. Well, they'd have no reason to. But the yeah. fact, but the fact that he showed up at all, like, right. Some a lot of I remember some of the players like, oh, oh shit, this is f-. like Stalin just walked in here. Yeah. Uh, there, there is that. Yeah, you could. I mean. Certainly, you could have pl- players who are trying to spoil the adventure, and mm. then you, if they kill Stalin, who is going, who's just showing up to brief them, then it's like, well, you're all liquidated by the uh, mm-hmm. GRU uh, and buried in unmarked graves. But game over, thanks, yeah. guys, and then you're done in half an hour. But like, but that's that's only a- only really asshole groups would do that. Exactly, or one asshole player, in which case you kick him out and you start over. All right, here's the briefing. Mm-hmm. Uh, blah blah blah. Um, so, I mean, for me, yeah, I would, if I'm running historical events, I would definitely, I would lean towards whatever happens in the game happens. Because it's a game, and that's the whole mm-hmm. point, is what if, what if something changed. Um, and that's, you know, also, it also determines if this is going to, if this is a one-shot or yeah. a campaign. Yeah. 
Which, I mean, if you decide that your players can actually alter history, that can make the rest of the campaign even more interesting. Sure, if, if that's the premise of your campaign. I mean, if you've done actual long-term campaigns this way? Um, not a campaign. I did do, like, a four-part a four part thing. Yeah. But I did it episodically with time, you know, with time changes. Yeah. But it actually involved... Um, God, this was, this was high school back when I did this. I'm trying to mm. remember the actual event... Was it a military thing? Yeah, it was. God, it wasn't Vietnam. Son of a bitch, this is going to drive Korean? me insane. World War II? No, no. No, actually, it was uh, Bay of Pigs. Oh, okay. And uh, they were playing company men. Yeah. And they actually were, uh, they, they actually had, uh, were sent on, this, on a mission to assassinate Castro. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. I wasn't planning on it, but it's just, it was going to be like... Uh, like he was, he was so far back behind the lines that, but they fucking succeeded everything I did, and <laughs> this was also Palladium back when I played it. So oh yeah, well, and you know I I thought for sure their patrols would notice them or they'd have to get in a fight, but no, they got through it right when and the Castro was taking a victory lap through the battlefield and yeah, one of the guys with a sniper rifle just. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is extreme long range, and you want to—you of course guess what he rolled. Right now, twenty. Yeah. And I, all right, you just ganked Castro. And actually, this 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 was going to be a, a continuing thing, so I had to like, okay, so actually the Bay of Pigs was was more successful. Is actually not a total failure. Right. But I had to I, I had to change everything. Right. And that can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Certainly, a lot with historical events, uh, for the GM's perspective, you have to wonder. Like sometimes, there's the the the, the whole idea behind the game is like, can players change history? Mm-hmm. You know, I know the Twilight Two Thousand game that I posted a couple of months ago. Uh, that was the whole point. Could a small group of commanders hold off the Russians when they're invading South uh, uh, Ossetia? Uh, you know, in the two thousand eight mm-hmm. conflict with the, uh, the Georgians and. That uh, was the Matt's desire to, in, in when running. Would would the players do that? Uh, and that so that was one thing. Um, but sometimes it's uh, the GM's more, uh, and so those are the kind of games where the GM should be more flexible. But other times it's more. I think GMs just want to run the game because they like the time period or like they some there's some element about it or they're trying to explain some sort of mystery like the Mary Celeste or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, or, or they really want to have like a figure like Guy Fawkes in the game. Or- yeah, yeah. That, well, yeah. Uh, personally, I, I, you know, want having historical cameos doesn't really interest me. As well, or, you know, um, it's, you know, you, you have to know, know World War II a pr- bit more, but I actually did, uh, I did a one-shot game where they were, their uh, players were Waffen-SS Special yeah. Forces who got who went on a mission with Otto Skorzeny. Okay. Yeah. Who is actually one of the most the, the most famous yeah. German commando of the war? Yeah. No, I I I know of him. He is a uh, well known figure in pulp circles as mm. well. He does show up in a lot of pulp. And like, I was running a game novels. for I was running a game for history buffs, and they're yeah. like they love the like oh dude we're like dude we got him in our party man like, <laughs> like yeah like you better make sure he doesn't die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I don't know. I guess that's the main thing. Is the challenge is the historical accuracy thing. Like at least, I mean, for you, when you when you're running a game like that, like what level of detail are you? You what is your preferences? In- I try to go with I for like games with history. I try to go with maximum detail that I can think of. Sure. Once again, depending on the scenario, um, 
Now, like, if I'm just running a game set in World War II, yeah, that's fine. I, I can just like I can describe any European country, any I can make any battle I want. But if I'm specifically doing, you know, Operation Market Garden, yeah, I'm actually going to give like I'm actually going to give some backstory of the battle up to this point. Yeah, what the what the uh, you know what the objectives kind of a are. Nancy-esque briefing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and that that certainly is interesting. I think. I mean, personally though. Um, I am not as interested in, you know, like Glancy does that, and that's his style, and that's mm-hmm. and so when I'm running a historical game, um, I tend to be more focused on the not the the details, but the main, uh, the more thematic mm-hmm. elements of it. You know, well, focusing well, on well, and also well, the more yeah. well known the event, the less you need to describe. Yeah, th- this is true. People will once again, the Titanic. I think most people know the Titanic. Yeah. Well, I mean, really well done scenarios, though, I think, do get a lot of interest. Like, I think the main problem with historical detail is there's so much of it. And you can, I mean, Glancy's Games, I think, gets it gets it on the right, but he's definitely mm-hmm. close to that, that threshold of where you have the really interesting stuff and make and, and right. improves the game. And, and then, like, and an info dump. And TMI, yeah, too much information, yeah. Mm. Um, I've certainly been in games where that's happened, and that <laughs> kind of sucks. So. For me, I tend to go with much less because I it's not my strong point as a GM, and I just want to focus on the game itself. Uh, but I mean, what 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 is relevant? I think the question is more not the amount, but like the quality of it. Like, what is what is really useful in terms yeah. of historical detail? But yeah, well, yeah, in the case of like if you're running it during a famous battle, yeah, I think what is necessary is. The plan of the battle, like not not the full battle plan, but like the chronology. What or what's what the objectives of the battle were? Yeah. Which sides fought in it? Yeah. And what were the key moments? Like, yeah, the again, order of battle. Yeah, you know, like you know, like Mar- Operation Mark Garden. It was you know the, well, like it, it all hinged on capturing these bridges beforehand, which right. we didn't do. And right. So it's it's really the th- I think it's think about what the players really need to know. Yeah. They're not going to be interested to know what caliber ammunition they're using, most likely. You're like, you got a gun, it does this much damage, but don't worry, because what you're actually going to face, your guns will be useless. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I mean, the, the I think the irrelevant inf- information, that would be like names of companies or things that are not around the players or... Uh, vehicle stats. If they're not, if they're mm-hmm. not immediate, if the players aren't going to use it, you don't need to have it. But if the players are going to use it, that, that would be mm-hmm. necessary. Well, I, th- I think it's more. It's more. It's there's also a difference between what details you tell the players and what yeah. details you yourself need. I mean, yeah, this is true. And like another thing, like Market Garden or some well-known battle, like you have a chronology of events. Like this happened at this time. This was blown up by this time. And there's that tendency for I think some GMs are trying to get it straight by the book. Like, oh shit, I forgot to mention that this place was blown up by now, or this unit had already retreated, or blah blah blah. And if it's like mm-hmm. the players aren't facing that unit, they don't give a shit. Uh, but yeah, what? Well, because also you can change some well, of the details around because especially in battle scenarios because you know fog of war and chaos like well and there's there's also like you do need to know basic history like I was actually I, I was reading about a, a game where it's a World War II game where it was actually they're they were playing French soldiers who are in full retreat after the Nazis basically just went through Belgium and just pushed yeah them. yeah and they said and uh, like and the they were mentioning the Sherman tanks that were on the French side like um. Um, this was 1939. America wasn't in the war yet, and the Sherman wasn't a thing. 
This is true. No. So yeah, it's once again like you know, if your players aren't all that up in history, they're still gonna, they're just gonna imagine, okay, these tanks, like, all these tanks, they're not gonna help us. I'm thinking, wait a minute, they're. Yeah, you don't want to get egregious details wrong. That's mm-hmm. that's for sure. That's like the big error. But I think you can leave out like if you don't know, like if the French, pro- they would undoubtedly have some kind of tank. I mean, tanks yeah. have been around for two decades by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, yeah, and they they don't need to know that the 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 name of the French lines was the Maginot Line. They don't need right. to. That's not important. You just need to well, say actually, lines. I mean, well, you could say the Maginot because it's a big historical, like it's a big specific mm-hmm. thing. It's like a historical. Kind but of in the case, but it's not. Necessary. It's not well, vital. Need, well, you don't. You would say the Magic Online. I think you would need that, but I don't think you would need to know the inner workings of the Magic Online. They had these caliber guns. They had this many mm-hmm. in it, per, and they, they were from here to here, and blah blah. Here's how they worked in detail. Unless the players were specifically going to the Maginot lines to warn them or tell them mm-hmm. it was useless. Or in the case, like if you're doing a game of World War One, and like with Fort Domont. Yeah. Unless it's unless you're actually going to go into Fort Domont, you don't need to have the fort's layout. You know, it brings up a good point. Like, uh, it, it just made me realize. Uh, I think one thing you should do, especially if you're doing battle scenarios, is to, like try to get the information. I think the best information is the kind of information that would help replicate the kind of experience the players would have had, or that the characters in that period would have had. And, and for example, World War One. Like, there's a big difference between like what the movies show and what battles were actually like. Mm-hmm. And like, I read Storm of Steel recently, which is a autobiography of a German infantry officer who went on a lot of trench raids. And uh, most of the book is like, we were shelled, and we were getting shelled. And then, this, uh, like, you have to get 100 pages into the book before you get... He's like, holy shit, we saw some dudes, and we actually shot guns at them. It was weird. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to think, you know? Yeah, and actually, they say a huge part of uh, war is hurry up and wait. Right. So you want to, like... I. For me, the the essence of doing a world war would be capturing that essence of what it's like to be a, a, an infantry. The inf- infantry's job requirement in World War One would is really more like ability to withstand bombardment without dying. Like the psychological, withstanding the physical and psychological damage that goes along with just constant ex- right, right. shelling all around you. Right, the ability, yeah, and uh, and occasionally shooting dudes is useful, but like. The other thing he also describes is like when he went on trench raids, they, the gun they carried pistols and rifles and whatever, but their main weapon they just carried as many goddamn grenades as they could, mm-hmm. and they went on. He even describes what hand grenade duels with the British, where like we run up, throw a grenade, and then run back, hoping that we would catch them in our grenades and they wouldn't catch us in their grenades. So they just running back and back, throwing these bombs at each other. And that was how they dueled. That was how they hand-to-hand fought. Like, grenades were vastly preferred by the infantry over pistols and rifles mm-hmm. and bayonets and clubs and everything because they were that much more effective. And, like, holy shit, hand grenade duels. That's that's a pretty interesting mm-hmm. idea for a battle scene. Is like you fight entirely with grenades because you can't see the guy. You know where he is, so you just throw and hope mm-hmm. you hit him. And also, the and, you know, or, and we actually get into the actual infantry charges. I think it's always, like... Like don't be like don't make your players like the first team. Make them like the fifth team that's going to go out. So your players have pl- time to see four other charges right. go, go over the top. Well, I mean, we read a, like we watched that movie uh, many wars ago, which was mm-hmm. about the Italians. But the Italians were spectacularly dysfunctional. Like mm-hmm. different armies had different experiences, and like they were rational. They weren't fucking crazy. They didn't want to lose, and so like they 
by the end of the first year, they're like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't just send dudes over the line. Like, that was a bad idea. Because mm-hmm. uh, machine guns are really effective. So Yeah, Britain, France, and Germany really couldn't under, couldn't get that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, for the first year, there were three whole years left. Mm-hmm. So they kind of... Um, uh, there's an article in io9 that talks about this and so you kind of want to capture that like get a sense of like so instead of getting like so for me i think the more important is like what people thought and what they believed and what they did rather than what caliber of ammo they have mm-hmm. what type of tanks they use what kind of uniforms they wore i think that because you want to get the things that play what what will actually come up in games it's like what will the enemy do what will my friends do what am i expected to do you know, action mm-hmm. is, I think, the important thing. Yeah, because there's actually um, there's actually a com- a two part comic series released back in the '90s. Yeah, it was a Predator comic, but it was like you know, it was shortly after the second movie was out, they were okay. Well, yeah, no, they but, but, Dark, Horse, Dark Horse cranked. It was Dark Horse. Oh yeah, but, yeah, no, and it was, was two part. It was the bloody sands of time. It was Predators like hunting people during World War One. Seems. I'm like a bad idea for the predator because. Well, actually, the thing is, it showed them actually like it showed it actually showed like predators screaming when mustard gas was released. Yeah, it was clearly showing predators were getting killed in the when the battle. Well, that's what I mean. If you're a hunter, you don't want to go with like it's all about skill and mm. prowess, defeating your but prey. That's that would be it. to me. I was thinking, random artillery bursts but, kind of. But reading the, this was the first time I really thought about running a game. Yeah, like in World War One was something hunting you that's not an right. enemy soldier sure uh yeah and you could do that so like that's more of a generalized thing instead of being a specific event being in that yeah, new yeah just you know just you know determine where else yeah you're in a, a line in france yeah and you're basically going about your day you know avoiding shells when they get you hear them whistle a little too close and yeah. otherwise and actually i think once in that same comic it was showing the soldiers were just bored out of their skulls and it was only when they would hear a shell that was slightly louder than the others. Like, oh, that one's close. Hold on. Yeah. Then, okay, we're good. No, that's exactly the mm-hmm. kind of thing that was described mm-hmm. in Storm of Steel. It was like, we, you could identify the different types of British uh, weapons by the sound they made. And so the shell, they knew when to uh, dive into the dugouts and the, the shelters and when they could just ignore them. And, uh, yeah, so you yeah. have uh, yeah. that kind of... And also, it showed a scene where a, a brand new lieutenant... Yeah, like heard machine gun fire and was like down, and they're like, yeah. "He's new." Yeah, they're like all due respect, sir. You duck when a shell whistles. When you yeah. hear a bullet, it's too late. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And um, so you, ha- so you, you, that's the kind of stuff that you want. So mm-hmm. like a lot of, I think a lot of people who are interested in history get wrapped up in the minutia, uh, the technical specs of like machinery or specific. Um, specifics rather than getting like the big picture or the the important bits, um, but I mean, it's also we it's interesting that we've been talking about history, but we've almost entirely talked about military history. Yeah. Um, and yeah, aside from the Titanic, which was a big drama. yeah, but there's like uh, like I say, I guess the French Revolution. There's a big, strong military component to that. Yeah. But there's also just the turmoil that went on in France itself. True. True. So I mean, not all history is equal. And mm-hmm. some are more gameable than others. Some parts of history are more gameable than others. And part well, of that, like a, a Krakatoa would not be. Like uh, a, a disaster is another. Well, I think it's imminent. Like mm-hmm. disasters are imminently gameable. That's if, what I mean. Like okay, you know, yeah, yeah. Like you know, or shit. You know, like you, there's the uh, like the the Lisbon earthquake. That, yeah. There's that Krakatoa Mount 
Mount St. Helens even. Just yeah. All kinds of disasters are great for that. Right, exactly. There's lots of drama, lots of action, which I think a lot of gamers kind of uh, um, want. But there are, but there, I mean, there, a lot of history isn't that. A lot of history is more, important history is not quite as dramatic, so, uh, but still important. So, what, what, I mean, what, I don't know, what, but for me, it, it, certain type of games are better suited for certain types of history than other. But, like, if you're doing, if you're interested in, like, the art of France in the 1890s, you know, the Impressionism mm-hmm. and whatnot, like, that wouldn't necessarily, like, that's important to history and to culture and everything, but is that going to be really gameable? Or politics? I mean, there's so many, like, treaty signings, diplom- like, Nixon going to China. Uh, there are uh, a lot of things that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. uh, gameable. You can do things, in our, like, as a backdrop. You know, you could have, like, political intrigue at, like, a treaty, like the Treaty of Versailles, bringing up mm-hmm. World War One, uh, or Nixon going to China, or what have you. But that's not necessarily going to work. Um, but there are, I think, parts of history that we don't... When you, when you just say it, you think, oh, well, that's not gameable. But if you actually look at it, it's yeah. extremely gameable. Like, for me, the first time I think of is actually the suffrage movement. Oh, yeah. And, um, like, you know, like 19th century, early 20th century, especially, like, in Britain, because you read about the actual suffragettes um, and uh, the women who went through this. It was actually pretty violent. And they would have, like, there were women, there's even, like, uh, women who study baritsu and jujitsu uh, extensively to fight with the police. Um which was a fascinating, and they would have riots, and they would have, and there was political infighting. So you could do a mini campaign about the fate of the suffrage movement, like how which side is going to win out. Uh, but that's one example. I don't know. What about you? What? Um, I, yeah. What was gameable? And what's not gameable to you? To me, I think um, I still think to be gameable, there has to be some conflict. Well, history is conflict. I know, but, well, but I mean, but like, okay, but actually, Marxist here. What I mean, like, there has to be like an actual, like, not a war, <laughs> but I think there has to be a conflict between people going on. Well, I mean, that's the thing: is history is conflict at some level between people, basically. Period. I mean, like, can you name a period in history in which there wasn't? Well, I'm, what I'm trying, okay, okay, I'm trying to get at, I'm trying to form the words to get this is. <sighs> I mean, difficulty actually. Well, what's a bad gameable thing for you? What what would not be gameable for you? What could you not see, uh, like in twentieth century or nineteenth century history, uh, just to narrow it down to give you? Or um, let's see here. Uh, I mean, those are you're more familiar with that than like ancient history. I I, mm-hmm. I am for. Uh, well, the thing is, like everything I think of, I think this. Oh no, I guess I mean I was thinking. Okay, the potato famine, but no, you could. Well, okay. What how what do you, what would you have in the potato? Like well, in this case, the case that, like what I would do mm-hmm. if I is uh, yeah, you know that blight that's killing those potatoes. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not a natural blight. Okay, so they're going with the supernatural phenomenon mm-hmm. causing it. because like that's a good that's a good staple for an event like that because it's I mean they've had like can we avert uh, historical tragedy because mm-hmm. Slender Man did it or whatever <laughs> yeah or. Uh, or a or it was a giant color a out cult of space. Did it. A wizard did it. Actually, in the case of the potato fam, it was a giant color out of space. That's yeah, no, all right. Uh, so, would the players be able to uh, alter history, or would you? I guess with the color out of space, they're probably fucked no matter what, because that's the kind of the nature of those kind of stories. Well, maybe they keep it from the the potato fam from becoming the destruction of Ireland. Okay, all right, that's good. Um, but 
so yeah, that's one thing. You can always introduce a supernatural element to any kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, so that's one way of doing that. So, you, there, so in technically, there is no bad, ungameable history. In I, that yeah, time. I really think. I actually now to think about it, and believe this was a thought I had before, but now I'm thinking about it now. No. You could probably take anything in history, mm-hmm. work it around, and make a make a game out of it. Sure, I really think you could. Um, I think something that might be more difficult yeah. um, if you're going like prehistory. Yeah, like if you're going uh, back when you know Neanderthals were still fighting with. Homo sapiens. Well, I mean, I mean, that might be difficult. Like, well, that would be difficult. There are games like that, and certainly they're more like um, low-end D and D type mm. fantasy games. You know, sword and sorcery kind of things, and swords and stones. You know, or <laughs> you know, axes, clubs and stones, basically. Uh, so you have that. So yeah, let's focus on more recent history. Just speak for yeah. documentation. Or um, if you're going for, I think there are some disasters that are just so big. I think tragedies. Or I mean, or just that are so cataclysmic that it's yeah. it'd be difficult to make a game set during like if you tried to set a game during like the eruption of Santorini, yeah, which destroyed the Theran civilization, which is is largely believed to have been the what they believed Atlantis was, right. which is like an eruption that almost that caused a bottleneck in human evolution, right? If you're doing something that's like it's you know you're like the days before the eruption, um, so the game is you you run. Yeah, like you know, like what are you, what are you gonna try to do? Like, uh, leave the island before the largest explosion in recorded history occurs? Like, <laughs> like okay, yeah, well, make your prepper. Like, let's make some escape rolls here. Yeah, uh, certainly. Yeah, there are certain things where you don't want. That's a that's a good point. There are types of uh, events or scenarios you don't want to set up where it's like. One, because it's just bad, bad storytelling. Like, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. that, it, unless you add supernatural shit, you're not going to stop that eruption. Right. And, but yeah, you don't, well, I mean, there's all, any number of tragedies. Ship sinking or uh, people Storm, being giant storms. Or, uh, yeah, exactly, giant storms. Or just, like, tragedies, uh, incidents yeah. of genocide, ethnic cleansing, and all kinds of, like... like or the Black, or the black Death, which went on for centuries. Right, or the Black Death. You know, if, like, your villagers, your villages mostly been wiped out. Okay, we starve to death because we don't have enough people to feed ourselves, and no one will come near us because we're, you know... Yeah, I actually saw a great movie set... Because you don't, so don't want to have that kind of basic, now, like... I actually saw happen. a great movie set during the Black Death. Which black it was, death? Yeah, Black Death, which... I love it. It's the pl- of Sean Bean, right? Yeah, and I, the plague is actually not. It just happens to be going on during it, but it's the, right. It's a backdrop. It's a backdrop. Um, and so yeah, there's the the, the so, one that's focused on the event, and then hi- historical games that are set in the back, like as a backdrop, and that that's kind of uh, something we talk about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but that's so that's one thing you want to avoid is the game where it's pointless, like. No matter you like, especially if you're like, oh, you can save Lincoln from being assassinated, and then like, nope, he's killed no matter what. He has a fatal brain aneurysm. Screw you, players. You just wasted mm-hmm. three hours. You know, you don't want to do that. That's just shitty GMing. Um, what other kind of things? Uh, actually, um, there was a, actually there was a game. Once again, I did not hear of this one. I was just I read about it. Yeah, a guy set a set. It was it was a uh, detective sleuth game. Mm-hmm. It was set, you know, and it was like a, it was a one one shot game set during DB Cooper's hijacking. Okay, yeah. Where uh, they were actually playing the agents. So mysteries are another thing. Yeah, like historical. Like they were playing mysteries. the like they were playing the agents. Like they were basically they started the game after the plane had landed. Yeah. And like they were playing the FBI agents who were brought in to try to catch this Big guy. Game. Yeah. 
and it went to you know they they were following him and then when they realized he jumped out it was them in the woods now the thing is they found him alive yeah but then like some but then essentially um that's where it got weird weird but in the end they did he you know db cooper was killed <gasps> but they they all but just not to say what happened the players decided it would be best if we said we just never found him <laughs> <laughs> then they all retire rich is that it? No. No, it's they all retire with alcoholism. Oh, yay. Uh, okay, yeah, I mean, and that's another thing. Yeah, taking a event and get, adding the what if. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, unless you're prepared to especially radically alter history. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with that? I mean, it's again, Nothing. I mean, if that's what you're going for, yeah. do it. Well, I mean, what do you feel like obligated to keep historical this? Once again, yeah. it, it depends on the game I'm running. What do you usually run then? Normally, if I'm run, if I'm running a game set in like a series of s- scenarios, yeah. if it's more than one scenario and it's set during a historical period, yeah. I try to keep history as kind of fluid as as, as it's supposed to. Yeah, because most of the time, like the games I run like that, don't really offer the opportunity to right. radically alter history. Right. But if it's a one shot or if there's the potential, I keep it a possibility. Okay. Like you know the friend like when I okay it's just not historical but just when I was running that you know the Gaga 2.0 game yeah I was actually kind of playing out okay and I can go forward with this later using maybe using these Japanese guys and oh Ross killed them all okay uh, <laughs> never mind uh, actually Ross brutally killed them all and made one do synth cocaine <laughs> yeah no that was pretty cyber cocaine I think yeah it was it's it's called synth coke in the book oh. but yeah cyber cocaine might yeah. as well be. <laughs> So that's one of those, okay, well, yeah, I just better go with this. Yeah. So in the case of historical games, if there's a chance that they could change history, I'll go with it. Just throw grenades in every room. Throw a grenade, just every room. <laughs> and that's what you could That's what you could do with John Wilkes' group's guys when they were meeting in that boarding house. I know, Burst right? in and just throw grenades everywhere. Yep. Well, dynamite would be more appropriate. Because actually, I think it's cool. I think it's, a lot of people don't know that. John Wilkes Booth found out Lincoln was going to be at the theater that morning yeah. when he went there to get his mail. Wow. That's when the plan started, was that morning. Wow. Yeah, you know, like, you know, he was like, yeah, get my mail. Like, oh, did you know the president's going to be here at the, uh, for the show tonight? What? <laughs> and then he literally ran back to the boarding house like, okay, he's going to be like, okay, Lincoln's going to be at the theater tonight. Uh, I still like the drunk history uh, of that. <laughs> uh, that was pretty good. But yeah, uh, oh no, of his brother, talking about mm. his brother. Um, so, you know, o- overall, I think, um, you know, when you're playing, running one of these games or when you're playing in them, I think the main problem is, uh, you know, bringing up history. And since you have something real, uh, you ha- get rules lawyering mm-hmm. and that, that kind of happens, but usually you get a different sort, which is the, oh, that didn't happen like that. You know, have you had players do that? P- pull on. Uh, oh yeah. Play? And, um. Uh... I'm not. I, I'm not saying that I'm the history master, but yeah. it's been things that I've known categorically. Uh, no, that is the way it happened. The way I said it. Yeah. I, I don't know where you're pulling this shit out from. <laughs> you know. So they're just trying to bluff you. No, I think they actually thought it was like that. Ah. In the some time, the times that it, Thanks, that it has American happened. American education system. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, just wow, just wow. Sometimes I I worry. Why? What was? How bad was it? Um, it was World War Two, of course. And they were. Uh, it was yeah. They were. It was set. It was set in uh, Asia, so it was the yeah. Asian. It was the Pacific theater, but this it was. Um, 
what was the 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 you know capture the capture of, the, of most of the British soldiers. Oh, the Baton Death March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the guy, this one guy said, like, actually, there were more Americans in that than British. Mm. I mean, no, this was before the Baton Death March. This, oh, okay. this was like um, when all the British troops surrendered, and that, kind of like yeah, yeah, what yeah. what a uh, bridge on the River Kwai was starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's saying, that, and the guy's like, oh, actually, like, do uh, wait, most of these prisoners should be American. Like, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude. It was mostly Americans. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he's face palming. Like, what, like, what does an aneurysm feel like? Huh? Yeah. So good stuff, huh? I think as an, if you have someone like that, you know, just know. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Let's just. Yeah. Can we continue? <laughs> nice. Then again, I actually had backup. All the other players, like, uh, no, dude. Yeah. That can happen, and that's nice to be like, like if it's so obvious. But sometimes it's like you're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I kind of move on unless it's at the crux of the game. I've never had a situation where it's been at the crux of the game. But then again, I don't run as many historical games. But um, for me, I think the one rule that I would have for historical rules, Lauren, would be not to stop the game to look something up to make sure that player X or Y, unless it's literally the heart of the game. Yeah, if it's like. Okay, if he took a left here on this path on this parade route, then we can then all right, fine. Then you can save JFK. If not, then you can do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it, something along that way, you know, something something that like the whole scenario relies on it or the the, the uh, but or, or, or if or, it's yeah or Archduke Ferdinand's driver yeah doesn't get lost right. So you have to look at the implications if it's if it's something that like. If the player's right, it doesn't really matter. You know, the worst case scenario doesn't really matter. It has a minor impact on the scenario. Fuck it. You know, who cares? Just like, I would either flip a coin. All right, heads I'm right, tails you're right. You know, like, what? Blah, 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 blah. I don't give a shit. It's my game, man. Uh, there's also goblins in this. There's goblins in the sewers. It's a magical world. There's goblins in the sewers, Tom. Yeah, it's a, it, there's there's it's not the real world. It's a different history. So screw you. It's drunk history. Yeah, yeah, apparently. So that's that's what I would do uh, in mm-hmm. that kind of case. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's I, or another. I, I remember the, the other egregious one. Yeah, this guy was mentioning like so like okay like says all right it's an alternate history okay it's alternate history where. The morning, the, the morning of, in August in 1945, when the planes were searching for their targets, yeah. Hiroshima was clouded over, so they went to their secondary target of Kyoto. Like, actually, Kyoto was deliberately taken off the list of targets because of all the religious shrines in the city. Yeah, it was never bombed. Yeah, conventional or otherwise. Like, and that's one of those things that okay. I I don't think I could actually suspend my disbelief on that. Yeah, again, if it's a major detail like that, like what if Hitler fought in the front lines of World War II or something like that? Like that's mm. a little uh, what you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. No, I mean, though, I think a great scenario where you don't know if you could alter history. Now, if you're actually playing like you're like Germans in World War One, yeah, and you're sent on a mission, he says, like, he says, all right, it's like all right, well, like, you're, you're like we're like we're sending like sending you back up here. This is Corporal Houtman and Corporal Hitler. You're like, oh, son of a bitch, send him into the minefields. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be funny, but because uh, killing Hitler is always funny. You know, there's. I think there's an actual episode of Doctor Who. Like, let's go kill Hitler. Yeah. Well, there should be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Aaron will be like, yeah, it was. It was a great episode. Uh, I don't even know. I'm sorry, Doctor Who fans. I, I, I don't. I'm not. I, I live with a Doctor Who fanatic. I know you do. Aaron is roommate. 
so by osmosis, I pick up some of it. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I think the thing is, you know, going back to the whole military history thing, um, you know, I, I'm kind of inspired to start writing, writing more historical scenarios, but non-military kind of ones, or at least... Because uh, there's a lot of stuff in history. Again, if you look at history, it bleeds weird, which is something mm-hmm. Ken Height and Robin Law say on their podcast. And uh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff. And that's certainly uh, something you should you should think about. Because there's a lot of really gameable material in like, the the sort of weirder, lesser known bits of history. Yeah, like, okay, like if they didn't make a movie on it, I think I thought the Datiev Pass would be. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful for that. Uh, yeah, the, again, the 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 Fordian kind of weird phenomena. That's one category. I would think of. I was thinking more of like um, one thing I'm always passing on, or like utopian socialist, like utopian movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there was, and also just weird colonies of people and communes and that kind of thing. Like these, there's Fordlandia. Have you heard of this? Oh yeah, that was the yeah that was uh, the rubber plantation. Yeah, Henry Ford built. That turned out to be big giant clusterfuck. Exactly, like because he treated the natives like slaves. Exactly. So you have that. Uh, then you have things like the Wonga coup, where a bunch of like in the seventies and eighties, like a group of white, like white British and European dudes, hey, let's just take over an African country and run it into the ground, and like that didn't work out so well for them. No. Uh, so you you can have that, um, and then you know some again more of the peaceful move- movements or changes in history. You know various legal movements or like things that aren't like immediately fight like a scenario set in the civil rights movement would be very interesting to play mm-hmm. through, like the fifties and the sixties, like Birmingham and uh, Selma. Yeah, Selma, and the, and just. Uh, you could again do murder mysteries. Obviously, you could do uh, what if the KKK? The KKK is base is basically a cult. Mm-hmm. Like, what if it's like, no, let's summon some monsters to teach them people a lesson, uh, or like you know, per- trying to prevent a J- I mean, Martin Luther King from being assassinated in Washington. Right, you could do that. Uh, that would be another one. Uh, being like a bodyguard for a famous person that who is going to be assassinated—that's a rich sort of topic uh, because there's tons of assassinations throughout history. So that, that's that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, you could go further back in history. We've been kind of focused on more recent history. Well, actually, uh, like I think one—if uh, you like Game of Thrones, actually, if you want to go to, like to much further back, more ancient history. Yeah, I think doing something during the reign of uh, Justinian, you know, the the, the emperor, uh, emperor of the Eastern Roman Empire. Yeah, because the, the Byzantine, pla- Byzantine, because the plague hit in his city. Yeah, and he was driven mad. Yeah, I mean, just doing something in a city where, like, you know, people are dropping dead, and you're the emperor seem has seemingly gone insane. Right. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, ancient history is really good. Uh, like, I mean, and, and again, looking at the Roman Empire is well known. Like, a lot of mm-hmm. people do, will do so, like Julius Caesar, and you know, the the, the big names as it were. Oh, sure, but but. The Byzantine Empire, a lot of people, like, aside from history buffs, aren't yeah. as familiar with Or ancient, a, ancient Persia. Ancient Persia, yeah, very good. Uh, I, I think most people know, like, by the way, no, Xerxes was not 10 feet tall. And <laughs> yeah. Really? You mean 300 was not It was not historically, historically accurate. accurate? I, no. What? You're shattering my worldview. I, I know. I yeah, Actually, yeah, actually, um, the sequel was more historically accurate, but even then, yeah. the... Xerxes very low yeah, even then Xerxes was still a 10 foot tall bald god <laughs> yeah so um, you have a lot of these uh, uh, options with history and you again I think it's 
the main goal is like what is your goal as a GM is trying to do like the main thing we've mentioned is like what if what if this was mm. caused by supernatural phenomena or what if you could change history to save someone or kill someone or you know somehow alter history throughout what if you know uh, but what are the other kind of goals you think like in terms of like for me it would be thematic like mm. I would want to do something set in the civil rights to explore these kind of themes of racism and discrimination and like overcoming uh, uh, injustice, um, mm-hmm. or like Fordlandia, because I, utopian movements like people, it fascinates me the people like think, Jonestown, or, and- well, yeah, Jonestown as a cult, but like Fordlandia still had this kind of optimism about them that they could just come in here and just do it the rational like, way, like the, like the Anglo Saxon, yeah, can do exactly. spirit, exactly, and that kind of fascinates me. Uh, or the Wonga cool, yeah. like naive people who get in way over the head and just like totally fuck things up in a real interesting way. That's an endlessly to- fascinating topic to me. So like, is so for me to explore those kind of things is very uh, interesting. And just or, so, like, or the early colonization of America. Ma- yeah, like early yeah. yeah, like they really. But I'm not talking about Roanoke. Yeah, but like when Jamestown was first founded, no one wanted to work. No one, well, no one wanted to farm. Right. All they wanted to do was find gold. Right. And they seem to not realize, like, well, like you know, you your food, the food you brought with you is going to run out. Yeah. And you can't. And even if you find a shit ton of gold, you can't eat it. Right. And it takes a while to get for the boats to come with more food. Yeah. Uh, short term, yeah, exactly that kind of short term thinking. That kind of like, like you could do a whole thing with the uh, uh, tulip uh, bubble, mm-hmm. uh, like their financial bubbles. That's actually a type of history. Uh, financial mm-hmm. crises uh, would be great to do. I mean, obviously, everyone knows about the nineteen twenty nine stock market crash, right? The Great Depression. We, Caleb wrote a whole but, book about. The great or there, there's, I be, I, or there's the panic of eighteen, like it was like eighteen fifty or something. Yeah, which was. Only seconded only to the great the the stock yeah. market crash. American finance has been fucked since the beginning, one way or the other. Boom bust, boom bust. It's it's mm-hmm. been weird. Um, and historical, like again, like the tulip, um, you know, buying those Dutch buying all those flowers and speculating extensively. Um, I'm getting the details wrong, I'm probably, but uh, God, yeah, there's just been tons of these things, and then. Um, so you, that would be something to look into: financial crises, financial speculation. Uh, the East India Company, for example. Oh my God! Yeah. You want to talk about a monopoly? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there are a lot of interesting topics uh, for history, and it can be done very well. So if you're running a historical game, just I, I my my takeaway is focus mm-hmm. on the theme and the people, or do something. In, I think like like colonial Africa or India. Like boy, it's like if you like you if you didn't hate white people before now. Well, I mean that's the thing is actually I would kind of for some of those I would sort of shy with just because I want people to have fun in my games and not mm-hmm. be completely depressed. Um, and the, I, I some of those eras some of those things are just so dark uh so evil that i don't know how i could run a game without everybody just wanting to like drink themselves uh to oblivion after playing that. <laughs> yeah. like it's really fucking evil you know uh you know the the belgians and the congo i mean jesus christ yeah or uh the conquistadors yeah exactly uh so if you're doing something like that um be very careful and on your and your personal preferences count too so i would you know I don't want to do such a one-sided thing where it's like, yeah, everything's a horrible atrocity. You can do nothing about it because of the overwhelming historical force. Even if the conquist, once the conquistadors showed up, the Aztecs were fucked because of disease. Mm-hmm. Even if they they pushed them out of the island, 
Well, yeah. Smallpox would have wiped them out. It was the disease mixed with the fact that the Spanish, because afterwards they went to all the myriad of enemies the Aztecs right. had. Like, hey, would you like to come help us like knock these guys down? Like, right. Yes. Yes, we would. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. Is like, even after, um, I think disease alone would have mm-hmm. fucked but them they, over. But they combined it with that. Because even if they, like, once the conquistadors landed on there, they would have sent word back, like, holy shit, there's this whole place. With people that aren't even Christian. We need to go. Like, so if you killed Cortez and pushed all his boats out, they just would have sent more boats. Like, the Aztecs had no way like, to. Like, be like, he's like, send more boats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a fucking zombie apocalypse. Uh, like, actually, yeah, there you go. The conquistadors arrive and they're undead. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you're, and unless the, the Aztecs had no way to go back to Spain and burn it to the ground to prevent them from being invaded. So no. Like, uh, that kind of it was a one way. There wasn't it wasn't going to end well for the Aztecs anyway. No, um, and you know to be fair, the, the Aztecs, Incas got it worse than the Aztecs. Yeah, did. yeah, they all. It was just a horrible, very bloody time of history. Bloody time in history. Uh, so you yeah. have all these factors, um, and yeah, enjoy history and find really interesting. And but so that because it, yeah, it's really if you just pick up a history book, yeah, and flip through it, you're going to find game fodder all over the place. But I mean, for, so for Tom, for me, is like focus on the people and the themes more than the de- don't sweat the details. That's mm-hmm. my takeaway. Well, I don't know. What about you? Um, I think it's um, to me, it's sweat the details you need. Okay. Yeah, it's and, and the question is, what are the what what are the details you actually need? You know. Well, here, okay. Well, this is gonna if you if you need to uh, if you think you need to give facts, yeah, and you start giving facts, the moment you can you can see you know. You can see the people starting to react like, you know, when a guy hears shoe sale or something, shoes. And like, okay, I think I've said enough facts right. here. But uh, I think also, once again, if if you're with a group you've been with for a long time, you know you know how much they can listen to before they get bored. Yeah. But if you're with an, if you're with a group you've never played with before, con if it's a game. con game, I would say, you know, um, my math teacher had something that was basically, it's like, you know, treat the facts like a woman's skirt. Long enough to cover everything, short enough to be interesting. All right, uh, interesting uh, uh, way of putting it. Um, you know, and and so just for an example, I think uh, like the Titanic scenario that mm-hmm. we mentioned, uh, which is a Trail Cthulhu adventure. I forgot what the book was. I think it's like uh, Shadows Out of Time or something like that. There, it mentions a lot of like what's on the Titanic, what kind of places mm-hmm. are on the Titanic. Well, yeah, like the gymnasium, this pool. And well, they also mentioned that they have a library and they have the cafe and they mm-hmm. have all the... the cafe Parisienne, yeah. Yeah, and th- they mention these because scenes happen there. You meet characters there. You talk to them. You can go to the library and do research to figure out what the evil is before... <laughs> so you can fight the evil before your characters all die. Uh, or, There's yeah, a tur- or, the Turkish bath. And- the Turkish bath, which you can have a chase scene in. So they mentioned all these places, which if you just listed the Titanic at this and this and this and this would be boring. But... If you like, here are these places where you can do shit. You know, here are your. Or like, he's like, this person asks, like, come meet me in the Cafe Parisien and we'll discuss this matter further. Yeah, and you're like, the hell is that? Like, oh, yeah, no, they had a totally, is like, total swank as hell. Like, it was like Donald Trump ran this shit. It was pretty, it was pretty baller. Yeah. Uh, or and like, you say exactly that, because that, that's yeah. historical accuracy. Yeah, or like, or <laughs> detail, like you tell them, like, oh, yeah, that you go to one of the, the main, you know, the primary, the largest cabins on A deck. Yeah, which cost forty eight hundred dollars in nineteen twelve. Jesus, to you know to to you know stay in them wow. for the trip and, and and you know it's like you can just let that sink in like 
mentioned like, like welcome to my room like wow this is amazing yes 40 like forty eight hundred dollars can you imagine You're like and just then do like remind them yeah this is 1912 yeah that's like 20 it's more than 20 25 grand yeah I was going to say more than 10 bucks our time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like little details like that. that it's like five whole big Yeah, that you, wouldn't, that you wouldn't think about being important. Yeah. That you could just mention, like, oh, shit. Yeah, these people were totally rich. Uh, yeah, there's rich, and then there's what these guys were. Exactly. So these are just some ideas for historical events, using histor- history as a backdrop for your game. Um, so any final thoughts? Once again, just... Don't be afraid to do anything in history. Yeah. You you're, you can find a game in any... I came into this episode thinking, man, there's probably some stuff you couldn't get... No? Not really. Just add some monsters. Add some monsters <laughs> or... Cyborgs. Or cyborgs, yeah. yeah. Add, add a mandroid. Yeah, mandroids. Or some guy that wants to come back and conquer ancient Rome. Oh, man. That guy's a dick. God, that fucking guy. Good thing we had a mandroid on our side. Yeah, and a, and a river rat. And a river rat, yes. Oh, and a ninja. And a ninja. Uh, <laughs> all right, the uh, Eliminators. Uh, so uh, next up, Tom, you have a letter. I do, Ooh, and then we have shoutouts and anecdotes. Stay tuned. If you are one of the few gamers on Earth who haven't played D&D, then I'm at least pretty sure that you know the basic setting. It is set in a fantasy medieval land populated by numerous kingdoms and a vast array of beings and monsters. No doubt you have seen this setting visualized in any number of movies and TV shows, such as Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. All the lands seem to be your typical feudal society, with kings and lords ruling the lands while humble peasant folk work those lands. And I don't know about the rest of you, but in the case of D&D, I find the whole idea of feudal serfs in a land of open magic to be bullshit. It has actually bugged me for a while now. Why would any sentient person be forced to work and toil using standard Middle Ages agricultural techniques when wizards and druids exist? Why would a king rely on inefficient manual labor to provide food for his people when real magic is as common as trees? Think about it. Imagine what one mid-level druid could do for local agriculture as opposed to an entire community of farmers or serfs. In fact, if you really look, look at it, the entire idea of feudal society breaks down the moment you introduce magic into the equation. Feudalism existed for one purpose, to organize labor and food production so the king could put armored knights on the field and the peasants could have enough food to survive. It was imperative that peasants needed knights to protect them, and that they felt the king was the only thing that could keep them alive, even though the average knight had more in common with Tony Soprano than Lancelot. The king was a divine representative on earth, and it was expected for the peasant to follow him without question. But when magic shows up, all that falls apart. How can the king be the most powerful person in the realm when a wizard of decent level could decimate an entire army by himself? Like, who would a peasant fear more, the knight who rode, rode into town demanding tribute, or a necromancer with an entourage of undead demanding the same? And since food was all important to a peasant, wouldn't he want to give his loyalty and work to a druid who can guarantee a bountiful harvest every year? I think that maintaining a feudal kingdom with the elements of fantasy would be impossible. An all-powerful church would cease to make sense. In a D&D world, the gods make themselves evident and people know they exist. I also know that worshiping a god in private at a small home temple is the same kind of faith that is going that is going to a massive cathedral would bring. And Paylor doesn't care much if you if you give gold to his church unless it was actually to help people in need. There would be no giant church institution that claimed to have a monopoly on saving your soul. 
another huge aspect of feudal society unneeded. As it stands, we tend to put fantasy games into feudal settings because the overall technology present in fantasy settings most closely coincides with the technology of feudal Europe. In reality, we have no idea what the presence of real magic and actual known proven gods would do to a society. It would all be guesswork on our part. Making it like feudal Europe simply saves time when designing a fantasy scenario or world. Now, some game settings have addressed this, providing truly alien and magical worlds for your heroes to tear shit up. I encourage you all to give those realms a try, but we should probably stop with the making a standard fantasy setting like medieval Europe, because in the actual Middle Ages, there were no knights in shining armor rescuing maidens. The knights were busy looting and pillaging, and the maidens were too busy being married off like property to cement an alliance for their father. And none of those knights or maidens had good teeth. Think about that. And we're back. Oh, you I, were about to say that, weren't you? I, I was. Beat I, you to it. You did. You were. You, you prepared like an action. Reflexes like a like a cat. It was. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll go. I had a letter. I had a letter again this time, Ross. You did. I know. After I made you, made you know, reminded you. Oh, I, very, very quickly. You were like after I made reminded you. Yeah, and you make good points about Thank the you. whole uh, impossibility of feudal political, economic, uh, <coughs> social systems, surviving, magic, multiple Monst- gods, yeah. monsters. Yeah, no, it would not work. Uh, no. I would believe, uh, as I meant in the economics panel that I was in Gen Con 2014, I, I believe strongly in a uh, skeleton-based economy where sure. necromancers would uh, essentially uh, go to village like, hey, uh, I have all these skeletons. If you promise to give me every the skeleton of everyone who dies of your village, you know I won't kill them, but whenever they die, give me their skeletons, and my skeletons will harvest your fields. Uh, you know, and and if you're the average. I say if you're an average peasant, like that sounds like a. I mean, wait. Yeah. So we we get to dispose of our dead without having to bury them or anything, right? And we don't have to work twelve and protect you, yeah. like. Like, sign me up. Yeah. Shit, yeah. Like, you can have my skeleton right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is, you know, skeletons don't make new skeletons by themselves. You kind of need the meat parts to to make a next generation of skeletons. So the 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 the, the uh, necromancer with foresight. Well, these were peasants too. Like, you you can have my skeleton right now. Yeah. Like, wait, is that possible? Yeah. No. Like. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess some necromancer would probably figure out a spell to do it. Like, and so the jelly peasants uh, became very popular. Uh, so, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh's peasants. Yeah. It's gross. Uh, and they still have bad teeth. So <laughs> Somehow. Anyway, uh, let's talk about chat outs. Yeah, let's um, do that. So first off, I have a book uh, that I actually got a long time ago and just never got around to re- finishing. Uh, it's called Night Voices, Night Journeys. It is a collection of Cthulhu mythos fiction written by Japanese authors. And uh, it's the first of four volumes. I only have the first volume. Uh, each one has a different name. But, like, uh, these are Lovecraft's work has been translated into Japanese, and there's been mm-hmm. generations of writers now that have been influenced by his work. And I finished it, and it, it, I liked it. I, there were some good stories. And the problem, the reason why I got it, like, back when it first came out, which I think was like, 2005 and I just I started reading it and I put it down to me because the first story is by far the weakest it is the longest story it's called like St. James Infirmary and it is the August Derelith 
tradition of like elemental Cthulhu mythos gods and so like and he has like uh, an occultist a Japanese guy in Chicago for you know whatever reasons sure and Elliot Ness a young Elliot Ness uh, fighting a gangster the the occultist has fire is uh, has made a pact with Chithuga the fire god and the gangsters made a pact with uh, Chithat a uh, water god from an obscure mythos story by not by Lovecraft but by another author and so they fight you know mm-hmm. fire versus water and it's just that's kind of that's like Avatar the last airbender shit going on yeah no it was not and I just and it was like uh and, but I said, no, screw it. I'm going to read it. I'm just going to finish it. And there's actually some good imagery in it and some gameable stuff out of it. Like, there's some really, like, the water ganks are some interesting tricks. And there's some things I might pull out and use in games. But after that, the stories get really interesting. And there's some really good ones in it. There's some average ones, but there's some really good ones in there. And so if you're a Cthulhu Mythos hardcore fan and you're sort of bored with Western authors, you should at least look into the uh, Night Voices, Night Journeys, and see what kind of uh, view the uh, Japanese have of uh, Lovecraft's mythos. Okay. So, yeah. Anyways. Nice. Uh, I got one. Stand-up comedy act. You know me in stand-up comedy. Yep. Uh, Stephen Byrne is a com- comedian I've I, I didn't. I guess I knew him for a while, but he's got a new a newer special on Netflix now called Champion. Yeah, it is. You know, some really good comedy comedy shit if you're into that. Okay. So I highly recommend you give him a try. Yeah. Do it. Geez. Do it. God. Uh, next up, I would like to mention a video game I've been playing. It finally, it's a Kickstarter based game. Hey, boiling point. Back <laughs> my Kickstarter. Uh, it is, but this is Wasteland Two, which is uh, after two years of development. Uh, they raised $2.9 million. They made another million dollars from Steam Early Access. Um, they finally released. It is a sequel to Wasteland 1, which is an 80s. I remember that, yeah. yeah. PC RPG. The forerunner to Fallout. Yes, a spiritual predecessor. Um, Wasteland 2 is very much a 90s style computer RPG, very much like Fallout 1, Fallout 2 in terms of feel mm. and you user interface. And I've been playing it. It is kind of buggy in some places. Uh, but you're a group of desert rangers in Arizona, and there's some bad things happening. You need to go out in the wasteland and stop, you know, them. stop them, kill raiders, fight mutants, uh, save towns from raiders. Because uh, all mutants are evil. No. No. There's good mutants. Ooh, spoiler alert. Uh, well, all right, you sold me. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's forty dollars right now on Steam. Uh, I backed on Kickstarter, so I, I only had to pay thirty, and I got an extra key for it. And I actually sold the key, and so I basically had to pay nothing for it. It was basically a two-year loan for thirty bucks. So, nice, uh, but it's it's worth it. I've, I've I put twenty hours into it, and I barely. I haven't gotten out of Arizona yet. Apparently, there's a whole thing in L.A. Um, but it's a huge game. There's tons of quests. There's tons of things in it. Um, you might, if you want to be, you might want to wait a little while to pat. There, there's some bugs in it. Some people have had problems with it. Um, so you might want to wait. But I, I'm having a great time with it. Um, okay. Yeah. So awesome. Uh, and then finally, one more uh, Breakfast Cult. Which is a kickstarted a Kickstarter backed game as uh, a fate accelerated uh, rules, uh, basically taking two genres, uh, anime high school and the Cthulhu mythos, and mashing them up. So uh, you're high school students who fight the mythos. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Exactly. It's. Hey, can I be Grunwald's kid, at Carl? 
Probably. I don't have the game yet. I, I, I read the description. I'm sure you could. Uh, so, yeah, it is anime as fuck and Cthulhu Mythos. I brought my lunch today. Cosmic Horror and uh, high school hijinks, basically. So, uh, it should be coming there out. There are monsters next... in the school? Yeah, I, I, I backed it. I got a copy. We'll probably do a playtest of it sooner or later. Or, I mean, an AP of it sooner or later. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. But, yeah. awesome. And also, Boiling Point, our, our, our uh, Kickstarter. Please pack it. <laughs> Support his book. Yes, please uh, support RPPR. We really do need it. Uh, finally, we need uh, we have an anecdote. Uh, or well, two. you do. Yeah, I do. Uh, we didn't play this week because of scheduling issues. Uh, issues. Issues. And we um, first off, I uh, let's see who I played a game. Uh, I ran a game for the Drunk and the Ugly, and they'll be posting the AP fairly soon. Uh, another playtest of Boiling Point. And uh, I ran an accelerated version of it because it's a big adventure. It would take more than one session to do it. And this, even just accelerate, took them four hours to get through it. So they had a full group of base raiders. Uh, some of them used pre-gens, like Iconoclast, Knight Errant. Uh, other of them, one of them made a lich who wo- had been woken up after Ragnarok. Oh, nice. And so he's just kind of confused but excited about technology. Like, uh, like, yeah, I, I'm dead. Yeah. The other one made kind of a character who was sort of a cross between the Giver and a Red Lantern. Uh, so wow, like a, yeah, parasite. You know, gives him gives her, her uh, his character armor, uh, and like he can uh, the character can make energy constructs uh, out of blood. Uh, <laughs> his own, yeah. Uh, her, her, I think it, her character is uh, his character was female, uh, but then there was another one, Raven, who had oh scrolls. He had photocopied scrolls of magic. And oh nice. So he he could uh, do all kinds of magical effects. Uh, but he had to, you know, sit and read, stand and read the scrolls. And so I basically said, uh, henchman of uh, Chromebeard uh, gave them a location of the base uh, for a cut. And so the players got a submarine and went down. And they're like, oh shit, there's bad things. There's, there's shark people. Oh, hi, sharks. Yeah, oh, hi, sharks. <laughs> like, you know, we're going to negotiate with you. Yeah, exactly. And so um, they spent some time. Talking to the Octobots, I had the Octobots already defeat the guys in the hangar, and then when they went in there, and then they were like, their their main dilemma was uh, trying to figure out whether they should loot the place or just blow it up for the safety of humanity. Uh, well, there there, there was uh, multiple things uh, of incident, but uh, I seem to remember Knight Errant wanting to pick fights all the time. Of course, uh, he was quite <laughs> actually. Yeah, early on, they they uh, some. Uh, the robots had defeated the 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 shark the the Celestius warriors in the hangar, but then the players showed up, and then the reinforcements with the shark people showed up, and the uh, knight Aaron's like, "I challenge you to a duel," and I'm like, "Okay, well your blade can cut through anything, so he's going to try and parry it, but it won't work. So you'll just do your damage because he doesn't know he can't parry your blade." Uh, so he inflicts like nine damage on him, and he's like, just cuts him from hip to shoulder. And I'm like, well, you won that duel. Everyone else make composure checks because that shit is horrifying. Lightsabers are really dangerous, like, guys. Like, like, even the other sharks, like, oh god. Yeah, no, they they were all everyone. They basically gave up after that. It's like, oh, Lord Carcarius, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's like, you are sick. Yes, they were. Uh, My god. I want. I imagine it's a bunch of shark people like heaving when they see that. Like you're disgusting. You went. You crossed the line, man. Not cool. Not cool. <laughs> uh, That's pretty much what happened. Uh, so some players uh, were pretty horrified by that. Um, 
And then finally, um, I actually met with some other uh, new players here in town, uh, and they have the established group. They're playing D and D and Inspectors, uh, which is kind of like improv comedy meets the Ghostbusters. Nice. And uh, I recorded it. I don't know when I'll put it up on the AP podcast, but we had a um, good game, and basically we got to make our own company that was fighting ghosts and monsters. And so I said. Uh, Silicon Valley. We're in Silicon Valley, so we're Specter. You know, one mm-hmm. of those webby type names, uh, Web 2.0 names. And um, the main thing I remember is that uh, my character was uh, kept talking like a manager. You know, oh, well, we're synergistically leveraging our paradigm for maximum efficiency in the marketplace. It's a blue ocean strategy. You know, mm-hmm. but I had stress and it's a, yeah. It were A B B. Always be busting. Yeah, exactly. I should have. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the other one was used to be a dog whisperer. Uh, her previous career was mm. a dog whisperer before she joined. Uh, and the other one was a bro who had been possessed. A bro scuba diver who had been possessed by Jacques Cousteau and had reoccurring possession. So whenever he was stressed out, he yeah. started swearing in French. Still can't believe on our game you didn't have. You forgot to use the. Uh, every once in a while, you're just going to start speaking in shark. Well, he tell it was never it never came up. Well, that's well, it's well, still there. You could still it, make it, it. Yeah, it's still it could still be there, but it never came up because he, he never had a social scene with anyone who wasn't one of you guys or the shark people. That's what I was waiting for. I just like you know the police captain. Like, well, that seems to about wrap it up. Is there anything else you'd like to add to your report? Like, yeah, you're under arrest. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I remember we uh, uh, our our killer our, our technology to fight ghosts was an app for our smartphones called Too Spooky for Me. Uh, <laughs> nice. But we the the improved the beta version that was uh, buggy was Three Spooky Five Me. Ooh, it was very powerful but very buggy. So you know, um, yeah. But anyways, inspectors was a lot of fun. So cool. and they, they're a good group. So we'll probably try and integrate them yeah. into the great. We should play that if we can get Thad back here. Uh, inspectors, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys would not. We would not stop. You would just quote Ghostbusters to each other until it became a new language, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So, good job. Symmetrical book stacking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that ends. Uh, so, you, you, yeah, you don't have any anecdotes because you know. No, because I'm, I'm in the games you're in, Ross. Yeah, basically. Except for the ones I'm not. Oh, which aren't. Well, you didn't have any this week, did you? No, no, we didn't. Yeah. And whose fault is that? Yours. Really? You're our standard gaming place, Ross. Oh, I see. You, you, you have a place. You can do it. Well, I got a game going on with my other group. Yeah, exactly. It's Pathfinder. Yeah. It's going well, actually. Uh, they've Most of them had never played Pathfinder before. They played D&D, but not Pathfinder. Right. They're getting into it. That's good. That's good. Uh, and so, but you didn't meet this week. You don't have any good anecdotes? Uh, we, we game every other Sunday. Oh, well, da 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 Anyways. Well, like, actually, the thing is, uh, it's set in the uh, city of Cepheus. You probably would know that setting. Yeah, yeah. And um, I gave them a chance like, that they needed to... Uh, I, one of the missions was, okay, you need to make a name for yourselves. Like, you kind of need to be known around the city for this next part to work. Yeah. So they decided to go in business with a drider. Yeah. Who uh, was in the silk business. Yeah. Yes, and he made it from himself. Ew. But it was like, it's the most high quality stuff. So they get, they kind of become a distributor for him. Yeah. And one of the guys in the group happens to be an, an actual account, corporate accountant. Yeah. So he starts setting up spreadsheets. Okay, well, if we're going to make this much gold a month. And he brought the spreadsheet in with him to say, okay, so uh, owing to the uh, this percentage of growth in our business, by this, uh, we should all, by the time this year is over, have made this much in profit. 
Nice. And I'm like, all right, that sounds about right. So now you need to you spend that money. You can either just spend it all on yourselves or you could use it to expand your business and get yourself a stronghold in the city because you're going to be under siege pretty soon. Uh, see, I would love that kind of setup because if a player did that for me, we'd be like, All right, then you could do the entire campaign based on that business and be like, oh, yeah, you should be getting that much, but this guy, he's not paying on time. He's saying, nah, can I, I, he's just paying partial payments. He's just mm-hmm. like, oh, I, this is all I can afford right now. This is all I can afford yeah. right now. He's he's just stiffing you. Are you gonna, How are you going to get the money from him? Uh, yeah. This guy is, uh, you, so you have shrinkage. Someone stole some of your product. Uh, oh, there's a new tax, you know, and mm-hmm. so just all the headaches of running a business. Yeah. Also, Dan and I believe that when we inevitably run a campaign in Fifth Ed, yeah, we need to combine it with some kind of you know, rain rules because we would l- love to play like members of an organization. Yeah. You know, kind of like a little Game of Thrones. Like I'm, I'm members of this. I'm, I'm members of this noble house, or I'm a member of this bank. Yeah. I would. I would love that. That would be awesome. But Dan needs to run his fucking Dresden file games. He's not going to run. He can't run Five E. All right. He has to run Dresden files. All right. Do you well, you're going to run that. No, no. I'm not going to run Dresden Files. Fifth Dan was you're going to run Fifth Ed. Oh, okay. I guess, sure. But no, no Dan needs to run Dresden yes, Files. He yes, he does. He came up a great concept for it. And it's even now, it's still great. It is. And he needs to do it. Immediately. It, he can't run any other games until he runs that. I'll, I will let him know. I think he knows, though. He better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Because um, basically he had a whole thing on the RPPR forums about, like, a dysfunctional group of people who fight monsters in our in our hometown, Springfield, Missouri, is called Obelisk, and it was like great. It's pretty much like it's Slender pretty much Man. like it's like Archer. Yeah, it's like Archer, but like with monsters and ghosts and wizards. So I was actually going to be the Krieger guy, yeah. who's no. also a red court infected vampire. Yeah, no, he's going to be great, but no, Dan has to have a job in life. And be but I see you just say there's a chance that his it's going to change where he's going to have a regular schedule. Great, and then right. he will run it. All right, so. Uh, with that, I guess that ends on that happy note. Indeed. Uh, that ends episode 106. History is written by the GM. Uh, I'm Ross Payton. I'm Tom Church. And please back Boiling Point, uh, our Kickstarter. Or Ross will cry. I will. I will and cry. And you do not want that. Nope. All right. We'll, Catch uh, you next time. See you guys.